Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Sam, we haven't had any heat for hours. I'm freezing. You're the bartender. What can you recommend for me that's nice and hot? Speaking. <laughs> Must you inject sex into even the simplest of conversations? Well, I didn't want you to go completely without it while you're in Europe. I want for nothing in Europe. I'm sure that's what you're getting. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me for the penultimate episode of Season 3, the co-host of The Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast on the Right On Network. Please welcome back Tim Price. How's it going, Tim? It's going great, Ryan. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, pl- I'm, I'm really happy to have you back for this one. Oh, thank you. I guess this is my oh, third time on the show. I think so. That sounds right. I, yeah. And you know me. I love Cheers. I love talking about Cheers. I'll talk about just about any episode. So, And this one's a fun one. This one's a pretty fun one. So I'm glad to be here. I think so. I think so. And folks, we'll get into it. This is Season 3, Episode 24, The Bells of St. Cleats, with the bells as in like the ladies, the B-E-L-L-E-S. Written by Ken Esten, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, May 2nd, 1985. Carla is terrified by the sight of a woman in the bar that she recognizes as Drusilla Demiglio, the cruel high school principal from St. Cleet's Academy for Wayward Girls. When Demiglio shows no sign of recognizing her in return, Carla plans a revenge that she has been dreaming about for 20 years. A few days later, Carla hosts a mini-reunion for four of her classmates and tells them the time has finally come to get back at their old nemesis. When Demiglio comes in that night, however, the other women don't recognize her and reject Carla's scheme. Feeling dejected and miserable, Carla offers to close the bar for Sam so she can be alone. Demiglio comes back looking for her wallet and confirms her identity to Carla, who wants nothing more than to shave the woman's head. Hours later, Sam stops by to find that Carla and Demiglio have buried the hatchet and are shooting pool in the back room. Sam is relieved that Carla never went through with her plan. Until Demiglio comes out to get a beer, revealing half of a shaved head. Meanwhile, Cliff tries to convince the other guys at Cheers that he is not inept when it comes to women by showing them an envelope addressed to him from a woman named Lynette Cahill in Florida. Cliff claims to have had an affair with Lynette when he vacationed there, but Norm and Sam read the letter, uncovering a far more pathetic truth. In order to spare Cliff's feelings and his reputation, they embellish the letter for the other guys, making it sound like a spicy love letter. Well... Spicy, your mileage may vary on that. All right, Tim, what did you think of The Bells of St. Cleats? Well, this is a really fun little episode. It's not really moving much forward in terms of the other subplots that have been going on in Cheers lately, but 
it's a really just a delightful to kind of see Carla in the spotlight, which I guess was a natural thing to have happen with Diane mm-hmm. temporarily out of the picture. It's like, who else are they going to spotlight on? So it was good to see this. And we've heard her mention St. Cleet's School for Wayward Girls before. So having that kind of continuity tied back into it, oh, yeah, the the nerdy completionist loves that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's also kind of wild to have these these other plots going on, the B-plot with uh, Cliff going on at the same time. No relationship to this main main plot. Uh, We see a little bit of... Diane and Frazier on their tour of Europe. Again, barely any connection to the storyline here, mm-hmm. except for why does Sam keep calling Diane on her trip? That's a little interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And even this teaser at the beginning has like no correlation to the rest of the episode, but it's a fun little bit of a teaser. Yeah, and it's... It, it, I, I'm trying to put my head around like the situation of it because this is the first longer season instead of a 22 episode season they got three extra episodes this year um mm-hmm. and that's great for the show but the timing maybe couldn't have been worse because the writers have to concoct this reason to get diane off the set and reduce her screen time to, in order to hide Shelley long's pregnancy at the same time one of your other stars nikki calasanto dies tragically so now you're basically short a third of your main cast really you can't have them in the bar um, right so the you do kind of have a string of episodes in this in the, you know the second half this last third that are really kind of bumping up the you know the secondary characters and getting a lot more plots um and you're right like this one feel i mean it very much is just kind of a filler episode and mm-hmm. yet they, I mean, I think this is one of the like funnier and more enjoyable episodes of the season. I really, really like this one. Um, I like getting a Carla-centric episode that isn't about Nick and and Loretta again. We saw them oh, twice yeah. this season. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're moving beyond that. It's not about her pregnancy again or something. It's another layer from her past. That's great. Um, however, ha- having having said that. It's still a little bit telling that, for me, the best scenes, the funniest scenes, maybe, are mm-hmm. between Sam and Diane when they're just on the phone in different locations. I had kind of noticed that myself. That's In terms of the storyline with Carla and Drusilla de Meglio. <laughs> you, have to, you have to put <laughs> which, it that way. Which, oh, she says it just beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, that the lines that Rhea Perlman has for that aren't the funniest lines, but I like the situation. The situation right. is really funny, but it doesn't lead itself to the the best jokes. It just have, it doesn't have the jokes, but it's a it's a fun situation around it. All right, so let's get in. So the teaser that you mentioned, the tease, it's mm-hmm. very early in the day. Norm comes in, you know, and it, like so much so that scene has basically just opened. You know, he's getting like the cash for the for the cash register. He's still putting things away and kind of cleaning up. He's the only one in there to greet Norm with a Norm. You know, they do their whole thing, and he asks Norm like, "Why Norm is so early?" And he's like, "Well, you know, the boss went home sick, so he put Norm in charge of the office, which Norm promptly closed." <laughs> so, so, so the whole thing is, you know, as Sam gives him a beer, you know, Norm has pretty much. He's going to go there to think about how he is going to spend his 24 hours of freedom and with a day off. 
And as predictable, Sam starts throwing out ideas. He could go sailing. He could go golfing. He could go to a gym. Uh, you know, cleaning up the garage, skydiving, all of these things that Norm just has excuses for. He keeps shooting them down one by one, why he doesn't want to do these. And, until Sam is like, well, you could just sit there drinking beer all day, shooting down my ideas, which sounds just great to Norm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's, I, I especially like the last part on that, the last stinger on that is, uh, you know, Sam saying, so how about skydiving? And Norm's like, Nah, mess up my hair. But they say it, you know, they've given up the pretense of it actually being real suggestions and real responses. So (laughs) they're having fun with it by that point. I also like the fact that it came, that it's implied how early in the day this is. Sam says, a little early for a beer. And Norm says, so float a cornflake in it. (laughs) Yeah. It's his breakfast. Yes. I love that. (laughs) Oh. Um, then we sort of start off actually with our, our B plot because again, like there, there's this whole thing with, of course, Cliff saying he's going to hit on a beautiful woman in the bar and everybody else. We get a lot of action from mm-hmm. all of the tertiary guys, like all five of the other bar guys from, you know, Tom, Larry, Alan, Steve, and, and, um, uh, one other guy. I don't remember. <laughs> um, um, Tim. Uh, yeah. Tim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go figure. Couldn't remember that name. <laughs> I don't know why you would. No, of course. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really crazy to see like all the barflies really like crowding in and having this whole a lot to do with this particular plot. There was like all, it wasn't just like usually you can kind of cap it out at like three extra mm-hmm. barflies, but it's like no, well we had all five of them in, in this one. To, yeah, this yeah, and and again, I mean maybe just because they're down, they're they're down a couple of mm-hmm. other players with with you know Diane and, and Coach out. You know they start filling in because there's a ton yeah. of guest stars in this. All things considered. Um, they, so these guys, but I, I also like the fact that, I mean, this is a recurring joke. This is a thing they've made before that Cliff gets tongue tied around women. He, you know, they've joked about in the past about him possibly being gay or being a virgin, all these things. I like Mm -hmm. the fact that they're not so aggressive at this point. You know, they're basically just like, shut up, Cliff. We've been here before. You know, you want to, you want to prove it to us. You want to prove that you're a ladies man score with one, just one. And we'll leave you alone. (laughs) And, and I kind of like that, you know, they're not, like, harping on it so much. And that's when he brings out the letter uh, from from Lynette Cahill. And, and uh, of course, like, the first time he, like, he shows, like, where, where the envelope is ad- addressed from. And Norm reads it's something about Inflatables Incorporated or something. <laughs> so. yeah, I, think, I think it's an Inflatable Surprises catalog. Which orders it to has, tease the cat or something. But that has a whole different connotation for mm-hmm. this whole discussion about Cliff's love life, mm-hmm. which maybe maybe we won't get into. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like you're saying, is that with with Cliff, uh, this whole stuff? If Cliff hadn't brought it up, mm-hmm. the rest of the gang wouldn't have jumped on him. Right. So, like he says, maybe I should go make my move, and Carla says, "Yeah, go ahead and faint." It's like. <laughs> 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 but he he walks into it. He just can't help himself. If he, he just can't. if he just let it if he didn't make a big point about it, there'd be no he would not be getting uh the butt of jokes at his expense. But he right. just he's got he's got to cliff it. Yeah. And the guys, of course, they don't believe anything when he talks about the letter from this woman. They 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 don't believe him. But and Norm, you know, bless him, Norm takes a side sort of. He's like, "Hey, come on. Maybe he did have an affair with this woman. She could have been drunk or blind or just out of prison." <laughs> <laughs> All perfectly reasonable explanations as well. Mm-hmm. So. Then the the real action of the story kicks off when Carla sees 
Deniglio. <laughs> and <laughs> I love her reaction because she almost kind of like falls into one of the guys uh, when she falls into like Steve on the side and mm-hmm. kind of reaches up and grabs Alan's like ear or his face to like steady herself. And they're like, oh, what's yeah. going on? Like, same thing, she's going to labor. And. <laughs> She has to run around the other side of the bar and like start tell them who this woman is, and she wants Sam mm-hmm. to go over and cr- to crawl over and 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 try to identify. She's like, they're like, are you sure it's this woman? She's like, well, we can prove it because she should have my teeth mark in her ankle, <laughs> which is a great way to identify people. I mean, that they they definitely come back to that again. It's like that's a very important thing. The teeth marks yeah, ankle teeth marks i don't know about that uh, but yeah it's like you know carl's like it's her it's the evil one it's like who mephisto no that's a different that's a different thing sorry uh and and she says over there at table five and we see ted danson visibly counting the tables uh, yeah. to figure out which one is, he doesn't know which one is table five that I completely believe. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah, but, but that's something that that Carla and and maybe even Diane would have to know that they would figure that out. But like he would, that would mm-hmm. like completely slip by him. Eventually, Carla able kind of gets over there and gets the the order of the gin and grapefruit juice, and she doesn't recognize her, so she like comes back instantly, like scheming. She's like, "Now I have time. I can plan out my revenge." And Sam tells her to turn the other cheek, and Carl has a great response to that. Mooning isn't enough, Sammy. I want to hurt her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mooning isn't enough, yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, she is just going into full-on, sn- snidely, uh, <laughs> evil, tw- twirling the mustache mode as she's thinking. And you can see the wheels turning in her head as she's thinking about what she's going to do to her. Yeah, uh, exactly. Just, it's just hilarious. I also like the bit we, that leading up to that was, um, you know, Sam asking, why, why am I going over to look at her ankle? I'll just go and ask her her name. Carl's like, no, no, no. That would raise suspicion. Crawl over there and look at her ankle. <laughs> Not suspicious at all. No, Carla has a very different idea of what looks suspicious, apparently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then, uh, as you mentioned, like now we, we cut away from the bar, the action there, to see... The state is of Diane and Frazier, and yeah, they're somewhere in like the Swiss Alps. He's skiing. We get some stock footage of somebody no. skiing for this nice little effects shot. Um, and there's no heat in their room. You know, Diane's complaining about it on the phone with Sam again, talking to him for some reason. And this dialogue that they have between them, I love it so much. I'll probably use it as my intro mm. for this episode. Mm-hmm. But she's like, "The heat has been off for hours. You're the bartender. What can you recommend that's nice and hot?" cut to Sam speaking <laughs> and she asked if he must inject sex into every conversation he's like I didn't want you to go completely without it while you're in Europe and I just oh man the, the repertoire between them even when they're not in the same room that's just oh yeah yeah that's why they that, were so that, good that phone call is just so funny I mean that's that, those are some really great lines and just they all just bam 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 yeah it's like, yeah, they still got the, they still have it to get, they still have it that, uh, that tension and that uh, ability to play off of each other. Like you said, they're not even in the same room and they're still doing a great job with it. I wonder how that was filmed. Do you think they were both on the stage at the same time, or was it filmed one scene and the other scene? Good question. Um, I would imagine they were filmed completely separately. Yeah, which makes it even harder. To, which makes it even harder to pull off as believably as they did. Yeah. yeah, and actually, like in a previous episode, like I, uh, in a previous episode when I was talking to John Trumbull, he mentioned uh, how that one of the one of the 
regular writers and, and producers Ken Levine was talking about mm. how a lot of the scenes kind of got jumbled up and everything because of like the, the shooting schedule. So it would ah. surprise mm. me if most of the Frasier and Diane stuff that they filmed while they were separate was all filmed kind of at the same time. And mm. then they just figured, like, what do we have time for? Like, where can we, like, kind of, like, throw some of this stuff in? Like, what episode does it work for? Um, right, right. That yeah. makes sense. And they also have the thing, since they're covering up Shelley Long's pregnancy, is that the heat has to be off in the chalet be- as an excuse for Diane to be wearing her enormous winter coat yeah, and the scarf, whole time yeah, that she's on yep. And scarf. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. She's- they they pull that in, but they also then of course make it part of the gag. Right, right. Which yeah. I, which which shows you know the writers top notch. They're just working to make sure that they, they they're producing a, a the good show here and making it believable to the viewers. Right, and not and feel it, too jarring. Yeah, and still giving Diana Fraser like something to do other than just the phone call because when Fraser comes in from the slopes after skiing, mm-hmm. he takes his skis off and Diane tells him to do, to relax and get comfortable, and we get the nice little comic mm-hmm. uh, moment where she like swings the skis and cracks him over the head and he drops down. <laughs> like, yeah, oh. she's been giving him this speech about, you know, you need to stop taking so many risks. Go, <laughs> go, you relax. This is your time. You just kick back and take it easy. And, you know, she turns around and seeing that he's knocked out cold, he's lying flat on the ground. And her reaction is, that's the spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's oh, it's, it's one of those physical comedy beats. Like, I think it's as old as Charlie Chaplin, if not older than that. But it's still, <laughs> it's still one of those things where when I see it done well, I still laugh at it. Oh, absolutely. I wonder about the whole scene itself there with Frazier's entrance, the audience was laughing quite a bit just at his entrance alone, which I always kind of makes me turn my head. It's not like there's anything particularly funny about it, but I know that the audience wouldn't have seen the stock footage of the, the skier coming down the slope. Mm-hmm. So they might not have necessarily got the setup quite as strongly as those of us who are watching it the the broadcast version but also because it sounded like legit laughter it didn't sound like canned laughter yeah that that was my that was my take on it i mean did you get that from as well i would have to listen to it again more with that ear i mean i noticed he did get a big you know laugh entrance but uh Mm -hmm. yeah interesting if it seems a little bit uh disproportionate to how good what what the what the entrance should actually demand i don't know i'd have to listen to it again that's what i was thinking it just was a little bit above the laughter was a little bit beyond what i expected from just his entrance we do come back to them a little bit later in the scene after carla and and has been talking to her friends but later like he frazier is trying to fix the heat he's got his face in the furnace and like the stove you know like working that trying to get the (laughs) the heat to work Diane is on the phone again with uh, Sam, and she's actually she she's mentioning how Carla vents her anger regularly instead of letting it bottle up and explode. It's kind of like a poignant observation. It's kind of like an interesting mm-hmm. little psychological profile of Carla, and and kind of a good excuse for why Carla can get away with being so horrible most of the time with her comments. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And yeah. The whole time she's and and case in point is Diane is letting her own festering anger bottle up because Fraser's making a lot of noise with this sto- like this pipe, trying to get the heat working and everything until she lashes out telling Fraser to shut the hell up, and then, <laughs> and then after that she goes back to the phone with Sam and she's like I'm sorry Sam what was I saying and you see him looking like he's almost asleep he's like I don't you don't know either like he wasn't. <laughs> 
Yes, it, it, we have to have a rule from now on. When you're talking, one of us has to be listening. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like with Fraser messing with that fireplace, it's like it's a metal fireplace with a with a metal st- stovepipe that goes up, and it's just making the loudest clanging racket. Everything he does in there, uh, Kelsey Grammer is really either selling it or their sound effect person was doing a great job <laughs> of filling it in, one or the other. Uh, as it just is, it just is disruptive and makes you almost jump every time you hear it. And I like the the finish of that is that also while they're uh, having that going on and Diane yells at him is they start like ta- apologizing to each other and talk about, please keep the noise down, dearest. <laughs> <laughs> of course, my, my darling. Yeah, my treasure. Thank yeah. you, love of my life. <laughs> <laughs> then when we come back to the bar um, and, and, uh, Carla has, you know, four of her cl- her classmates there. That, like, this is the part where I mentioned like the guest cast because, in mm-hmm. addition to Frasier, we got five of the tertiary barflies. Then we've got Drusilla, and then we've got four of these other women. So there are eleven other speaking guest actors in this episode. Um, that's a, that's and, a lot. Yeah, and, and looking at the cast, we got so Drusilla Demiglio mm-hmm. is played by Camilla Ashland. Her, I'm looking up on IMDb, her very first appearances were on the show Dark Shadows, so that's for Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also in V and V, The Final Battle. That's for Shag. Yeah, that's, she, those were amazing credits to see show up here. That's yeah. just amazing. Also appeared in The Golden Girls, Fantasy Island, St. Elsewhere, Taxi, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, some of the other women uh, in the show, um, Kathy, uh, played by Kate Zental. She appeared in L.A. Law, Remington Steel, Picket Fences, Hunter, St. Elsewhere, Night Court. Uh, the woman Donna Guzzo, played by Catherine Pallone, appeared in Eight Is Enough, Hill Street Blues, Webster, Perfect Strangers, Chicago Hopi. A lot of like, a lot of like TV credits in these. Um, a character, one of the women mm-hmm. named Mo McSweeney, who's played by Ellen Gerstein. She appeared in Quantum Leap, Seinfeld, Lois and Clark. She was in Friends. She was in Shameless. Most recently, she was in the movie Venom. Um, oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but then the big one, of course, that everybody should remember, uh, the character Roxanne, or I think I think uh, Carla calls her either Roxy or Rocky. She says it when she comes in, mm-hmm. played by Marsha Warfield, who, Woo. you know, friends, for, especially from this time period, will remember. Uh, she joined Night Court and was a, a regular on that show for most of its, uh, what was it, nine seasons, I think, Night Court went. Um, she also hosted her own show, The Marshall Warfield Show, which ran for, like, 200 episodes. Um... I, I did not know that, but she, uh, Marshall Warfield, appeared in the Legends of the Superheroes uh, TV thing. Um, but she was yes. also on, on the Richard That's Pryor crazy. show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Marsha Warfield. I just love her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even and you know she also did stand up. That's one thing that maybe yeah. people don't know as much of is that before, well, or like at the same time as her doing the Richard Pryor show is that that was because she was a stand up comedian. Yeah, and you know made the transition to TV actress along the way. Uh, so and yeah, but Cheers is still uh, Richard Pryor show says it's in 1977. So she'd been on TV for a while before she even got onto Cheers. Yeah. Let, let alone Night Court. So, gosh. Thinking, did she join Night Court one year after this or the next season? I, uh, um, I uh, think she was... In- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat and look it up. Uh, yeah, she she joined Night Court in 1986. 1986. 86. Okay. 
so the just the year after this one. Okay. Which probably which closely tracks. It would have been I would have thought it was like season the like the end of season two or season three would have been when she started with Night Court because you know we had uh, the two previous bailiffs. Right. So which both unfortunately died. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Her her part was also a little bit unsadly too short in this particular show. I mean, yeah, she, it was, yeah. compared to the rest of them, it's like she's the one who comes in late when the rest of them are already there. Right. She doesn't get as many lines as the rest of them. It's kind of it's kind of odd. It's kind of mm-hmm. odd to have her addition. It's like I don't quite. I almost wonder if they had more for her to do, and it just got edited out. Yeah, can, yeah. and part of they it, see I mean, that a little bit. Yeah, and part of it, I mean, might just be the hindsight of recognizing her, like just like knowing mm-hmm. that you know she would become so much more famous in like a short amount of time. Uh, just feeling mm-hmm. like she doesn't really do a whole lot in this one. Um, also, telling, I mean, she's one of maybe ten people of color who get lines in the show throughout its all eleven yeah. eleven years. Just not a good, not a good part of Cheers' record. Well, what did you think of Carlos' friends in general during the scene? They're they're obviously pretty funny. The, one of them puts on airs of be, having you know really done something with herself in life. When we find out that that she's uh, an electrolysist, <laughs> electrolysis. Age. <laughs> so I was like, and the, but we have a, a second one who's pregnant. Uh, and, and Carla jokingly says the quadruplets because she does look pretty darn huge. And she's like, oh, don't even kid about that. I've got I've already got five, six already that I can't handle. And the other one corrects. It's like, I only had you only have five kids. It's like I'm talking about my husband. Who, if he ever touches me again, is dead. <laughs> yeah, but that means Carla's friend from high school has as many kids as Carla does. So that tells you something about <laughs> about the women in this this you know growing up in this part of yeah. Yeah, they they are they are a, a rough bunch, but they're pretty. They're really very funny. The ladies who are uh, acting and uh, the actresses in these roles are really very good at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, never more so than when Sam comes up to deliver the drinks for them, <laughs> and they're hooping and hollering, cat calling him, which is nice because everyone. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's pointed out to me fairly regularly that there is a degree of sexism about this show um, and the way that the men treat the ladies and Sam in particular uh, in, in his womanizing and everything like that. Um, so to have it, to have it turn around on him like this, it's a, it's an interesting turnabout. Um, and, and yeah, he almost spoils it when he tells them, you know, uh, uh, like a, a picture for the lynch mob. And then Carla has to, you know, tell them that she found Demiglio and they're like, who, wait, what? And it's, it's clear right from the get go that like, as she's explaining this, mm-hmm. they're like, what are you talking about? That was two decades ago. We're adults. We're not gonna like. We're not gonna terrorize this woman. And it's like, yeah, for and two decades. That's one thing I was trying to figure out is what age was Carla when she graduated from St. Cleet's? So does that mean that she's now thirty-eight? Is that what we're shooting for, or is she, or is this a school that's that she would have finished younger and is in her early thirties? That's a, I'm not quite sure on that. Um, well, she says Carla says the that Carla says Drusilla retired or left the school before she could get back at her or something like that, which leads me to think mm-hmm. that okay. maybe Drusilla retired before Carla graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could have been a thing where like she thought like maybe it was like Carla's freshman year or something if she's like 15 or something like that or, or, or 16 mm. when she's harboring these grudges. I mean, I can see maybe by 
where we are now, we're in the end of season three. Carla could be thirty six or something, thirty seven. Right. Yep. That that would that would track. Yeah. I was just trying to figure it out for my in my head about what well, well, the number of kids they have. It's like, oh no, that's that's perfectly plausible. But mm-hmm. I, I almost thought like that Carla had her kids faster than that. Yeah. That's what I really think of. You know, that, that seems like her. How are like uh, yeah, and I'm I'm trying to think like because now uh, yeah I've got to put the timeline because in we season, need graphs in we need we need, a, one, we need a clip we need a we need a, a cork board and thumbtacks and string yeah in, <laughs> in season one her oldest boy Anthony was seven I think oh gosh oh gosh I think yeah they they accelerate his age pretty fast though in a in a season or two yes they do yeah gonna, <laughs> yeah that, I don't think that's gonna hold up no right. no maybe. No, I'm wrong. They're, no, it's Gino, her youngest at the time. Was oh, seven. I got okay. that. Yeah, I got that wrong. Gino, they, because, because, okay, yeah, because it's a big deal because all of her kids were born before years before she met Sam because they that, that was all that she was trying to convince Diane is a is a prank that Sam was the father of her kid Gino, but Gino was mm. born two years before they met. So yeah, Gino, the youngest, was okay. seven at the first year. And we will see Gino later on in the Rebecca years when he's like a teenager. So, okay. So that'll that'll match. Whew. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Doing all this. laughs> oh, goodness. At one no, point, at one point somebody offered to, to make a timeline for me, and I turned them down. Now I'm kicking myself. Why don't I have this plastered on my wall? <laughs> oh, goodness. But, yeah, so then once Demiglio comes back... Carla screams, like freaks out, like really makes everybody go, all these other women go behind the bar and everything like that. Um, And that is just a great moment where, you know, their heads are popping up and she makes them get down. And then she wants them to hide throughout the, like the entire time that Demiglio is there so they don't give it away. And they're like, what are we going to do behind the bar? And she's like, find some way of, you know, amusing yourselves. And you just see them pulling Sam down behind the bar (laughs) and his shoes flying out. a nice little gag too. So. Oh, I, yes, I and can, that does continuing the reversal of, you know, Sam likes the ladies, mm-hmm. but it's like we haven't had such blatant uh, assault on him before, <laughs> or them coming on so strongly when he wasn't really making a playoffs of, of his own. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of a, a crazy turnaround and. Darn funny, yeah. just darn funny to see, especially when his shoes come like flying over the the bar, and you could hear one of the ladies laughing and cackling. Mm-hmm. It's like, yikes! <laughs> it's a little little intimidating. Yeah. Um, and, and well, I'll, I, before that, you know, they're the 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 gang is hiding behind the bar, and uh, Carla shouts the gin and grapefruit juice order over to Sam, and Sam says, "Coming right up, crying right up, whoa, yeah." <laughs> And 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 the mind reels at what one of the ladies was doing to him down there. I don't want to know. He he like swats his dish rag or something like that at, at her hand. Like you think like she was like going for his zipper or something like that. And yeah. He's just like swatting like that. And, like, and, that, his, and gives that his, point and, and gives that dog point right that you stop that you behave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that that moment his re, his response right there was actually the, a runner up for my home run this episode. I loved how he oh, kind of like jumped at that. That was that was really good. <laughs> um, uh, then I I, I want to kind of skip over the whole part with the letter, uh, the Cliff's letter, because that will be my home run. So I want to come back to that. Okay, one. okay, um, we can save that. Um, 
So then basically as the night has it's come to closing time and everything and everybody's gone home, Carla's alone playing piano notes because she's so disappointed that nobody believed her and her, her quest for revenge, you know, just petered out. Um Sam she you know, she offers to close up for Sam, so Sam go or Sam is going out on a date with a woman like Debbie or something like that, and she's like I think you're going out with some other like Carla Caress Janice. Janice, yeah. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. when Janice really thanks you. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Demiglio comes back and actually she forgot her wallet, and Carla's like, well, uh, Carla gets the wallet. And she's like, I, you have to tell me your name so I can confirm that we are. And she says, you know, Drusilla Demiglio, and Carla like is like, sit down, sit down. You know, she wants to shave her head, and she puts like a, 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 a towel around her neck, like it's going to be an apron. Yeah, she's got well. She's got her apron, and she, like she gives the flap like a barber with the, yes. their barber's cape. Yeah, she's just gonna go sweet Todd on this. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, and we got to see Carla minutes beforehand pulling the electric clippers out of her purse. Yeah, and just like looking at them longingly. It's mm-hmm. like, I want her as much as you did. <laughs> so then- just, just uh, she's just working. Uh, you know. Uh, Rhea Perlman's just knocking out of the park with this particular part. Yeah, yeah. Then, uh, Car- uh, Sam comes back later. It's all dark. He says he saw the lights on, and that's why he came back in to check who was, what was going on. I don't think how it's possible that he saw the lights on, because the bar was all dark except for the back pool room, and it's an underground bar. So, mm-hmm. But he, come, he comes back in, and he's like, who, what's going on back there? And Carla comes out, and she says, yeah, yeah, it was Drusilla, and we, you know, we buried, you know, she's like, we're, we're friends now. I told her what was going on. She told me it was just, she was just doing her job, and they're drinking, they're playing pool, they're having a good time. They, she's got nicknames for her. You see Drusilla comes out, she's all in profile, she's holding her pool cue, and she's like, come on, get the beers or something. And then she does a total about face, 180 degrees, and you see that the other half of her head is completely shamed. <laughs> and she walks off, and Sam is mortified when he sees Because just before this, you know, Carla says, you know, God was testing me with this woman. And she's like, and I passed. I passed the test. And then after we see the shaved head, she tells Sam, she's like, I didn't say I got an A. I just said I passed. <laughs> it's a great capper on that one. Oh, yeah. It's a great button line right on the whole scene there. Now, was it just me, or did uh Drusilla's turn look a little bit overly awkward like you know it she's did. really it, making sure that she's selling the about face and stops before she goes out yeah her her movements were pretty forced and i think they did that because they really wanted the angle and everything to they wanted the the studio audience um mm-hmm. to to really get that that full effect they wanted to hide it as long as they could until the the studio artist could see exactly what it was and the reveal to be pretty sharp and up and sudden mm-hmm. so yeah i don't i actually didn't mind the suddenness of it i kind of mind like I, it just really jumps out at me when the fact that she pauses so much before she starts walking again yeah. it's like if she had just if she had turned and then just started walking plenty of time for the audience to react and and almost get the Laughing because like, what did I just see? Right, right. <laughs> sort of moment. That's but that's I, that's a nitpick. That's a nitpick. I, it's still a hilarious moment. I mm. she she does a great job of it. Um, I love Carla calling her Drewsy <laughs> and and Drews. It's like what what? <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. 
Oh, now here's a here's a little known fact. Yes. Um, <laughs> when I was googling what to call the thing that she put over uh, Drusilla's neck, I was like, oh, it's called a, a barber's cape. Okay, that's what that's called. I also learned that that little paper strip that the barbers put around your neck mm-hmm. is called is called a Sanex strip. S a n e x strip, and it's a cosmetology sanitation law to have that there. Uh, it sounds like you know it looks like a sanitation extreme. I don't know strip. Uh, so that's a little known fact. I don't know what that really means, but I just looked it up and found that out. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for Norm's tab, he had five beers this episode, uh, which brings him up to two hundred eighty-two for the series. How did he get five beers in this episode? Well, I, gave, I, I, I must admit, I wasn't paying enough attention to that, but boy, so, five. So I actually, I gave him credit for two just in the teaser, because when he's sitting there ah, and he's yes. drinking, mm-hmm. and after he's like, he's when Sam basically says, you just want to drink beer all day while and shooting down my ideas, he's like, hey, I like the sound of that. Why don't you put a head on this one and keep, and keep throwing out ideas? And he throws the glass back, and Sam refills mm-hmm. it and starts giving it back to him. So I gave him credit yes, for two yes. right there in the teaser. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yep. yeah. Yeah. I think the the other three just kind of makes sense because of the scene changes. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. But uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a lot yeah. for one episode. Oh my yeah. gosh! <laughs> so two eighty two for the series so far. I do not think he's going to crack three hundred by the end of uh, the next episode. Uh, he has fallen short of a hundred every season, but he's still doing pretty good. He's still averaging. He's 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 up there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he 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 goes for gold, and we know yeah. that. Yeah. All right. So for the employee of the week, who did you have? Well, the easy answer is Carla, mm-hmm. because the 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 big plot of of her and Drusilla de Miglio, <laughs> it was definitely like the the more compelling plot and had the more thing. So it, she's definitely the easy answer, and really, she is my employee of the week. But we haven't gotten into it yet. I really have to. I really have to consider that Norm was in the running with the B-plot and uh, Cliff's letters from his uh, romantic interest. Because he really like stood up for Cliff jokingly at fr- first, but then looked out for him at the end. You know, came to his rescue a little bit at the end. So he was, he was really a good friend to, to Cliff. So he, I got to give him an honorable mention because he really was in the running there. I think I, I think you're right on because I do think Norm is I, I did give Norm my employee of the week. Um, uh, I okay. thought I thought I can this see was that. I, I, like this was ostensibly Carla's episode as the leader of the A plot. The mm-hmm. B plot was kind of about Cliff and Cliff's situation, but I felt like Norm stole the show. Um, between the mm. teaser, which I thought was great, the whole when he gets the actual letter, you know, he said he was playing pool with Cliff, and Cliff dropped the letter, and he brings it out to Sam. The whole mechanics of them, you know, like opening the letter, he's like, you know, I have to hold the letter like this because if I accidentally hold it upside down, the letter will fall out, and it falls on the floor. He's like, witness, and then you know, <laughs> having to like kind of like jury rig this reason while he's like, we gotta make sure that you know that we get the envelope right back here in or the letter in the envelope without it look like it's being read and he like crumples it and like mangles it he's like uh oh now what have we done now we have to read it the the whole thing about that and then the actual reading of the letter which I'll come back to so for all those reasons I felt like yeah Carla is great she would be my runner up but I felt like Norm stole this one from her so well I I, yeah I also give Carla props for she really sells it 
on her storyline. I mean, the way that, you know, as, as Diane puts it, he, she vents in small doses. She is yelling at everybody. She is bossing everybody around. She's smacking people. It's, she is selling this story. <laughs> she is selling how much Carla is upset about, the, about uh, how much Carla is into what the opportunity that she has right here. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's, 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 that's where I get there. But I, like I said, I have no qualms about, about uh, Norm getting it either because yeah, he was just great. And uh, like you said, it was like, you know, Cliff was the, was the focus of this, of that plot, but Norm was the one who really moved it. Right. Right. Yeah. Which brings us to the home run. Um, and I mentioned mm-hmm. my runner up for the home run was Sam, like swatting at the woman when he, he took that one. He's like, gin and grapefruit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like, I love it. But the home run was, once, like, once Norm has this letter and all of, and Cliff is like, hey, interesting reading, because the whole thing like, I, I kind of didn't mention is that the letter is actually from this woman who ran the hotel that Cliff stayed at and basically accuses him of stealing all of the towels and the soaps and everything from that. <laughs> Says if he doesn't return these things, she'll contact a lawyer and everything like that. And Cliff was, Cliff was representing this as the steamy love letter. So now that they know the truth, all the guys come around and they're like, Norm's got the letter read it to us, read it, let, it, let us know the truth. And Cliff is trying to get it back and, and Norm, you know, basically just starts reading the line. He's like, my darling Cliff, or dearest Cliff, or something like that. And Cliff kind of picks up on what he's doing and kind of backs up and Norm just starts reading the letters. like, I want you, I want you, I want you. And he's, he starts coming up with all these things, he's like saying like, you know, uh, my, I yearn for you, like, uh, like I burn for you like a... um. Sammy, help me read this word here. <laughs> and Sammy, oh. That's a that's a volcano. Yeah, a volcano, <laughs> volcano. Yeah. And the, he goes through this whole thing, and he like I'm trying to think of like the the ways that he actually phrases it. Um, he's like, "You satisfy my every hunger," and he's like, "You are quite a man, all right." And that's for darn sure. <laughs> and all of these just really painfully awkward like phrasings and everything, but the guys are buying it. And the fact that it culminates with him signing off respectfully yours <laughs> when I came. When he got to the respectfully, I actually like I had to pause the episode while I was watching it and laugh again. Like mm-hmm. that, that got to me because I completely forgot about that. And yeah, so that that was mine. I love that letter bit. That is fantastic. <laughs> and and with that bit, there's even a postscript, not in, only in the letter, but in the bit, when Cliff says, the th- read that postscript, that, sh- that P.S. where she talks about my sexual prowess in detail. <laughs> yeah. like, can't quite make that up part out, Cliff. That's all right. I'll help you out there. This word here is gargantuan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, they really sold that whole bit. I, I do love that. That was the whole that whole scene is kind of hard to pull out a particular home run line from, but uh, it was it was definitely in the running. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as, as the the lead in part, especially uh, with Norm working working with the letter with uh, Sam, yeah, uh, and that whole is we need to hold the letter thusly because we're to hold it the <laughs> other way. Say like so, it's an accident <laughs> waiting to happen. Witness, witness, <laughs> and it's like yeah, holding the letter and. Basically, he doesn't even try to open the envelope. He just mashes the two things together. The letter, the envelope, no longer seems to fit. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> oh, it's just hilarious. But I actually will go and give my home run uh, to a very quick moment from 
Carla. Mm. Um, and we already talked about it where Sam says, I'm telling you to turn the other cheek. And Carla says, <laughs> oh, mooning her isn't enough, Sammy. I want to hurt her. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, just mooning. Just mooning. That, <laughs> that, that, that was just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And again, like, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, a fairly, an inconsequential episode, kind of a filler that they added just because they got extra an extra episode order for three more episodes or something like that for the season. Um, but just really, really enjoyable. Just some great parts. Like, considering, again, you know, Sam is just playing background and he's on the phone with Diane for a couple of times and they've got this great report, but it's, it's a Carla and Norm and Cliff episode. It's really those three doing all of the, the funny stuff. And they're great. Yeah, so it's just mm-hmm. a nice way to let yeah. the, the secondary characters shine. So Now, I also, my nitpicky start just goes like, how are they running the bar with one bartender and one... <laughs> waitress that's oh man it's, it's, you just gotta let it go he just it's the you world of cheers yeah, yeah. You just have to let it go and it, with and with just the two of them and this expanded supporting cast <laughs> of all the times that the expanded supporting cast it's now when you only have uh, two characters yeah, when, when the they're bar. shorthanded when they that's when they have yeah that's when they have extra, all the extra guest stars yeah all right, Tim. Thank you very much for coming back on Cheers Cast to talk about this show with me. Where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Sure. The best place to find me is on Twitter at Tim Price One Seven uh, in the Podcastiverse. Uh, you can find me on the Outcasters, my Batman and the Outsiders podcast that I do with the Right On Network with Ashford Wright. Uh, you can find it on the Batgirl Huntress podcast feed, where I also. Uh, guest host, uh, well, co-host on the Batgirl Cassandra Kane podcast that's found at thehuntresspodcast.com um, and basically you can find me pod crashing all over places like this show right here which I thank you so much for having me back on I love Cheers as you know so I'll be glad to come back anytime that's why I love having you crash that's that's great yeah. Woo. yeah so thank you again and especially thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheers cast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook favoriting and retweeting on Twitter and also leaving a comment on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com you can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack, and Ashford from the Right On Network, who sponsored this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. There's the letter! All right, just knock it off and say... No, no, me. Is that as loud as Cliff says? Come on, let's read it. We're not finance here. Like a... Uh, I can't make this out. Can you say him? It's a... Volcano. 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 Right. I, uh... I think of you at night when I go to bed and in the morning when I wake up. And, uh... I dream about you in between when I'm sleeping. (laughs) Admittedly, when most people dream. That's true. Uh, You're quite a man, all right, and that's for darn sure. (laughs) 
And uh, you satisfy every hunger that I have as a woman. Respectfully yours. Lynette Cahill. Now I'm reading the uh, P.S. there where she talks about my uh, sexual prowess in detail. Can't quite make that part out. That's all right. I'll help you out there. This, uh, this word here is gargantuan. All right, I think, I think they've all seen quite enough. What the heck?